Hi, I'm Terry Conran with KRS Kickers, and I'm moderating an amazing conversation today thanks to the good folks at Sanofi and AONN. And we're going to be chatting today about key biomarker considerations for patients. And along with me, I have two wonderful people that are going to help navigate this topic. Claudia, would you introduce yourself? Thank you, Terry. My name is Claudia Miller, and I am the Thoracic Oncology Nurse Navigator at the Medical University of South Carolina Hollings Cancer Center in Charleston, South Carolina. I have been an oncology nurse for approximately 20 plus years, and I have been the Thoracic Oncology Nurse Navigator for the past 16 years. Hey, well, welcome. Excited to hear your points of view. And also joining me today is Jennifer. Would you give us a brief intro, please? Thank you, Terry. I'm Jennifer Eversano. I'm a lung nurse navigator at Northwest Community Hospital in Arlington Heights, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. I've been an oncology nurse for almost 20 years, and I've been a lung nurse navigator for just about 10. Okay, well, welcome. Well, just for clarification purposes, I'm going on being a seven-year lung cancer survivor and have had five recurrences over the past seven years. And so when I talk about being a patient, it's because I am a patient. And so I'm really excited to hear about these different opportunities that we have as far as biomarker testing and what that means for a patient. So as the objectives today are really just kind of how to educate patients on biomarker testing and kind of explore the different questions that we could perhaps have and know what What's next? What's innovative in cancer care for patients? Why is cancer biomarker testing important to me as a patient, Jennifer? So biomarker testing leads into what we call precision medicine or personalized medicine. We used to give patients all the same treatments. If you were diagnosed with a non-small cell lung cancer, everybody got the standardized treatment. What we're doing now is that we're testing patients' cells to see, do they have a targeted mutation or something that we can go after that's really personalized to them? Okay, sounds simple enough. I'm all for us getting the best treatments. How does that happen for us, Claudia? These biomarkers that we're looking for can give us the treatment recommendations, yes, but it can also predict your treatment course. It can predict prognosis, and also treatments down the line. Uh, so it provides us with a lot of information as well as treatments that you may not respond to. So there's a lot of information that we can gather from biomarker testing. Biomarker testing is basically looking at a patient's cancer on a genetic level where we take pieces of the actual tumor itself or the cancer itself and we sequence the DNA of that cancer and look at it on a genetic level to see what is the oncogenic driver, what went wrong in the genes to actually make this happen. Okay. And when you say genetic, does that mean I got this from my parents? That's a great question. And we hear that a lot as navigators. And this is not something that was handed down genetically, anything that you can inherit from family members or that your offspring can inherit from you. This is something specific to the patient themselves, just to that individual and that individual's cancer. Okay. So the biomarker of the cancer is actually what's in the tumor, not necessarily what's in my whole body. Is that correct? 
it's an abnormality in the malignancy that we're looking for. It could okay. be a protein based, but it's really a molecular marker or abnormality on the malignant cancer tumor or fluids. Why should I want to know what this is as a patient? How does this help me? Why do I care? You really want to make sure you're getting the best treatment. You don't want to just get some standardized treatment. When I have a patient that's diagnosed with a non-small cell lung cancer, I give them education, just very generalized education about biomarker testing right away. And I say that this may come up. I want you to have a little bit of education on it in case your physician starts to talk to you about it. And I start to talk to them about what biomarker testing is and why it's important. We really want to personalize that treatment for that patient and not just give them standard therapy. The standard currently is testing on tissue to actually find these biomarkers. That's the standard of care. And the pathologist, the molecular pathologist are doing something called next-gen sequencing. That's your comprehensive, broad molecular or biomarker testing. And they're sequencing the DNA of your tumor. And they're looking at a genetic level to determine what that biomarker is, what went wrong, and how do I target that to treat the cancer? Like Jennifer said, it's personalized medicine. So it's important to the patient because we're treating them as an individual and not as just the 100,000, 200,000 people out there with non-small cell lung cancer. So you're saying that I could possibly not even have to start with chemo. That definitely could be a possibility. If you have an advanced stage with a targeted mutation, and even in some early stages now, you may be able to get a targeted therapy based on what that biomarker shows. Sometimes when you do tissue testing, no information comes back. Does that have an effect on treatment as well? Yes. Obviously, you need a decent amount of tissue to be able to sequence DNA. And occasionally we do come back where maybe there isn't enough actual tumor cells within the biopsy specimen that was taken. Specifically in lung cancer, where you have to be careful sticking needles in the lung. If it's someone who didn't have surgery where you take out the whole tumor itself, you're taking just a very small needle and inserting it in and trying to get enough cells to sequence DNA, which can be very challenging. So occasionally you do have to prepare patients. If this doesn't come back, you have to educate them on the importance of it, just in case there's a chance that another biopsy may be needed to be able to get this information. So are you saying this is kind of like, oh, I don't know, taking a really fine needle and stick it into a blueberry muffin? And you may or may not hit 100% blueberry. In fact, you may just hit a big old hunk of flour. You're not actually getting all of the information. And you could actually hit a bad spot where you're not getting any of what's defining that as being blueberry. That's always a risk factor, as you guys said. A lot of times when we're doing surgery, we're getting a much better sample. We're getting the lymph nodes. We're getting a lot more information than sometimes when we're getting in a biopsy. It's always important for your pathology team to really have conversations with your IR, your interventional radiology, or your 
pulmonologist who might be doing a bronchoscopy or EBUS on what is really required to make sure that you have enough tissue to send out for biomarker testing. And in the event that you get it back and there isn't anything there, there is a possibility that you could have what we call a liquid biopsy for biomarker testing, where that is a blood draw, usually sent by the medical oncologists that could be testing for biomarkers as well. Okay, so when you say not there, let's kind of like drill into that. By not there, it could be unactionable. So we know it's a cancer mutation, but it doesn't actually have, say, a targeted therapy or anything. Actionable, where there is a targeted therapy, or there's biomarkers that just aren't enough information to change you off of immunotherapy or surgery or something. Is that correct? Correct. And it could be a biomarker that is currently in a clinical trial where we're looking at treatment options for that particular biomarker. They're just not out yet. So you may be eligible for a clinical trial to help kind of future generations, if you will, to see if that treatment would be applicable as a targeted therapy. Well, it's lovely to help future generations, but as a patient, most of the time, we're just trying to get through it for right now. So when there's actionable, unactionable biomarkers, okay, now, for example, because I know this because I have a KRAS biomarker and I don't have an actionable biomarker. I have KRAS G12D, which is one of the types of KRAS that is being studied, but they don't actually have any sort of a targeted therapy. Okay, if there's patients that have other similar biomarkers, whether it's, it's in KRAS or, or something else, EGFR or what have you, when they find that information, what do you suggest a patient does with that information about what their biomarker is? So I think it's really good for that patient to have that conversation with the medical oncologist. I mean, right now, like you said, there are some mutations that are out there that there is no targeted therapy or there's no clinical trial for that. But is there anything that they're aware of that might be coming down the line? There are these new emerging biomarkers that are coming out where they are being tested and there might be some trials coming out soon. So it's important to make sure that you have that conversation with your medical oncologist, you know, what else can be done? Is there a clinical trial or is there anything coming out that they know of with any new research where they might be able to get targeted therapy sometime down the road? So pretty much what I'm hearing you say is the tumor is the map of what's going on inside my cancer, inside of my body. Y'all are the navigation team to help me figure out what's important, what's not important, okay, at least for right here, right now, today, and how to get it paid for and those sorts of things. And then what's emerging is the things that I need to be keeping an eye on. It's kind of like farther down the road if I need a treatment or just kind of like, you know, just, just so I have, oh, I don't know, a little sense of hope about the future as a patient. Yeah, the push in oncology now and in cancer therapy is to try to treat it more as a chronic illness to where you're getting the best treatment at the time, you know, October, 2023, but who knows what October, 2024 may hold. And if your therapy works for a year, great. And then if it stops working, then you wanna know, well, okay, what's next? What's the next therapy? and kind of look 
two to three lines ahead if you're able to, to know what am I going to move to next? And not only what treatment am I going to move to, but maybe what treatment am I going to steer away from based off of what my biomarker is? Nobody wants to feel off guard. We got sidetracked and knocked off our feet the first time with the diagnosis. And you wanted to have a sense of control for the future. And I'm hearing the knowledge about the research is how we advocate for survivorship. And if you think there was an accident about how that spelled KRAS, you're wrong, because that's really what it boils down to is how, how we can get that survivorship and live with the disease ongoing, not just spend our time dying from it. And I think that the navigation that you guys do is you guys really are the wind that keeps us afloat as far as being patients. I had an excellent nurse navigator myself, and I don't know how people get through without nurse navigators and the amazing group of people that you guys encompass as a whole, because that's really what it boils down to is that whole compass in our cancer care and how we can do it. So as evolving biomarkers are coming, okay, we're really looking for something that's already there and seeing what's kind of just been hiding along the way. What do you see coming down the pike? So there's some emerging biomarkers that we see coming. One of the big ones is CCAM5. This is highly expressed in malignant and epithelial cell tissues. It's tested a little bit different than some of the biomarker testing. It's tested by the IHC testing a lot of people are familiar with CEA. It's what we've been testing for colon cancer for over 50 years. And CEA is the result of CCAM5. So I think we're going to be hearing more about this because it is, like I said, highly expressed in malignant epithelial cell tissues. There's trope 2 there's HER3, there's CMET, which is different than the MET4 skipping mutations. But I think in lung cancer, these are some of the biomarkers that we're really going to be hearing about within the next well, hopefully a few months, you know, it seems to be changing constantly. So we're going to continue to see all these new developments. That's really exciting that know that y'all have not stopped yet. Yeah. And that Terry, some more KRASs are coming out too. So you'll see some more of the KRAS G12Ds and the G12Vs as well. So there's a lot of exciting, this is where cancer care is going, individualized, personalized care and trying to make it a chronic disease where these patients like yourself can live a normal life, maybe not normal pre-diagnosis, but your new abnormally normal, but also just able to go about and make plans for the next year. Or five. Exactly. Okay. Well, I kind of think it might be an important question then around recurrence. Is biomarker an appropriate thing to be testing for at recurrent cancer? Yes, absolutely. We do know that some genes can develop resistance, just like a patient can develop a resistance to certain antibiotics. Patients can develop resistance in their biomarkers. So we do also have treatment options available for some of those resistant markers. So So yes, that is a possibility. And that's also something that's currently being studied. Okay, so dumb questions. It takes just as long to get back the recurrent testing as it does the original testing? Most likely, yes. Whether we're doing that in-house, we're going to be doing a crush test. 
or we're going to be sending it out, it's still going to be about on average, your 10 to 14 day turnaround time. And that's on a good day, you know, could take a little bit longer, but yeah, and I agree with what Claudia said, you know, we do want to be testing these recurrences because, you know, what is a biomarker? Again, it's an abnormality. Has there been any changes? Is this a different cancer? You know, we really want to see, you know, when we're talking about lung cancer, if it's in the other lung, is it the same cancer or is it a recurrence? Does it look the same? So I think that that's a huge, a huge thing that we should be doing if there is a recurrence or a new tumor that we're testing that with biomarker testing on recurrences. And I think that that's kind of a, a crazy point that it never crossed my mind until I started talking to other patients that you could have two different biomarkers that are their main driver in two different places, but you still have lung cancer say maybe in two different lungs and at the same time you have two different biomarkers driving each one of those yeah terry i just had a patient i'm just going to share this that had two nodules uh, right next to each other in the lung one was egfr positive and one was not but they were right next to each other and this was after surgery so we know we had a good specimen there to really test them you never really know what these testing is going to show when you're testing these nodules for biomarker testing and I got to say, in the KRAS world, which I spent a lot of my life, um, KRAS G12C has a higher incidence of people that have some sort of a tobacco use history. However, the old mindset was that patients that have a smoking history should not be tested for biomarkers, only those folks that have no smoking history or, or never smokers. That's really changed a lot here, hasn't it? Thankfully, yes. At this point, some of the guidelines maybe have not caught up quite yet, but I think anybody with a lung cancer diagnosis, and now we're actually doing biomarker testing in earlier stage lung cancers as well, not just in late stage, stage three, stage fours. We're doing it earlier, and in some cases, given targeted therapy adjuvantly after resections. So times they are changing. And so I think it's incredibly important for pretty much, at least in our practice, anyone who's diagnosed with a non-small cell lung cancer is going to be tested. I think that that's probably the most important point is that we need to be tested. We need the knowledge and you need to have a great plan because if you don't make a good strategic plan up front, you're already behind the eight ball. And your teams of navigation are here to help us patients get through this. And let me just thank you, okay? Because quite often you guys are the ones that are really getting us to the next level, getting us the information that we need and dealing with our real life on the day-to-day -day basis, as opposed to our oncologists, they have kind of a different role. And I think that you guys really are very much the unsung heroes, and you really should be having the big, you should be walking around with tiaras and crowns on your heads. I do all the time, Terry. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. <laughs> well, good to know, good to know. Okay, all right, as we kind of like wrap up here, and we've really been trying to talk about the common biomarkers, what's new and evolving around biomarkers, and how important that smokers, non-smokers, basically just people 
get tested for their biomarker testing. Is there anything that you really think that we need to hit on as we kind of like wrap up this session? Jennifer, we'll go with you first. Yeah, I think it's everything that you just said, having conversations with your medical oncologist, making sure that you're tested. Everybody should be tested, smokers, non-smokers, early stage, advanced stage. And again, ask those questions on why are you not being tested? And if you're not getting the answers, you know, you can always seek second opinions, help patients with that, but just being an advocate for yourself and your patients. Okay. Thank you. And Claudia? I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again. <laughs> Education is key. You have to educate yourself on your diagnosis. You have to be an active participant in your treatment care and, you know, be curious. Look what's out there. We don't want to go back to the days where you just did what your doctor was telling you to do, you know, ask questions and, and that's how you're going to get the best care possible. I could not agree with you more. Knowledge plus research plus advocacy equals survivorship. And all patients and family members are trying to get through this and get through the survivorship. So thank you both for joining me today and answering questions around biomarkers and the testing and how important it is for patients to know what their identity is. And thank you to AONN and the folks at Santa Fe for sponsoring this, this podcast. I'm Terry Connerin.